I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Foundation. We are on High Frequency Radio Network. This is the Foundation. We are High Frequency. I am your host, So L, and it is my supreme and excellent uh, pleasure to bring you another episode of The Foundation where we understand incorrect information, incorrectly applied can get you hurt, correct information, incorrectly applied can get you hurt, we always looking to correctly apply that correct information, coming live and direct from High Frequency Radio Network Studios. I would like to start off by saying all thanks, honors, and praises due to the creator and ancestors. I would also like to say, as always, I want to say peace, big up, shout out, salute to my big brother Yusuf L, High Frequency Radio Network creator, extraordinaire, he's the man, I mean, you can hate if you want, but you talking about Yusuf L, fam. I would like to welcome you to, welcome to thefoundation.com. Make sure you check it out. Sign up for your email list. Go ahead and do that. It's the first thing you want to do. You want to check out the PDF section. Get your free learn on, download the stuff. Just grab it and go. Grab and go. Make sure you check out the education tab. We got the passport, no social part one, part two. Chris L. did a phenomenal job on not only the procedure and how to obtain the passport, no social, but as well as how to use and utilize the passport, no social. Check that out. You can also check out the Foundation Trust Primers, over 18 documents, hand-selected by me. If you've never heard of Trust, you're brand new to Trust, you're just getting into the Trust and you want to know where to start, I would suggest you start there. You can find that in the Education tab, as well as the Foundation Trust Series. Part one and part two is available at welcome to the foundation.com in the education tab. It's just that part three is available. It's just not on the site yet. So if you're interested in the foundation trust series part three, because you've already grabbed part one and part two, email me admin at welcome to the foundation.com until we get the website updated that's you know just that's how we're gonna have to do it but with that being said also you can find the instagram the facebook page the twitter at welcome to the foundation.com you can also book a consultation you can make a donation same spot one more time welcome to the foundation.com i want to say peace to all of the listeners per usual all the archive listeners all the podcast listeners, MP3 listeners, sending out sound bites and sound files. Peace to you. I want to say peace to all the live listeners, live streamers, live callers, internet live listeners. Definitely. I also want to say peace to the trustees and private trustee training here at the foundation, as well as all those investing in their private education. And last but not least, peace to anyone that we've done business with in the private, as well as anyone who sent an email, well wishes, or current event, or otherwise added to the foundation. 
Definitely want to say peace to you. Some of y'all know the intro by heart. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I'm ashamed to admit that. But I want to welcome you. We got a great show lined up for you. The Great Reset International Monetary Fund calls for economic reset. This is big. This is huge. We're going to get into this. We're going to talk about the implications. We're going to talk about where it's coming from. We're going to talk about... We're going to discuss a lot. And, you know, hopefully you leave with a little bit more education than you had before you came. But, you know, either way, we're looking to have a great discussion today. But first, a word from our sponsors. I'm just playing. You thought we had sponsors? <laughs> I was just drinking some water. Coffee, actually. Coffee water. I'm just playing. I'm in a good mood tonight to trust you all as well. And we are off. I was this? Episode number two, we can just get started. You know, no more long intros. We heard you. I heard you. No more long music-filled intros. We're going to get to it quick. So I, I trust that you're enjoying that new policy with regards to the foundation. Let's jump into this. You know, we're going to jump into these current events, baby. First and foremost, CNBC. CNBC.com, European stocks close lower. As U.S. stimulus talks continue, it's effective worldwide, man. European stocks closed lower today, which is the pan-European stock 600. Traders in Europe are tracking the latest political developments stateside. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows said that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin had made, quote, good progress, end quote, during talks before, adding that they will, quote, still have a ways to go, end quote, before an agreement is reached. A lot of, it's a lot of words. The pair are due to talk again. And Meadows said he hopes to see, quote, some kind of agreement before the weekend, end quote. Mnuchin and Pelosi's conversation Tuesday continued a last-ditch attempt to hash out an agreement before the November 3rd election. That's European stocks. Not looking good. Nope. It's not. Exxon. Reuters.com. Exxon Mobil. Quote, very close. I'm very close. <laughs> Quote, very close. End quote. To disclosing U.S. and Canada job cuts. CEO says. This will be completing its workforce appraisals. The United States and Canada expects to unveil job cuts. Exxon's chief executive told employees in an email today, the second largest U.S. oil company by market value lost nearly $1.7 billion in the first six months of its expected. I'm sorry, and it's expected to post an under loss. One third quarter results are released on October 30th. The job cuts are part of a plan unveiled this spring to redesign how Exxon works and to increase competitiveness. CEO Darren Wood said in an email to its nearly 75,000 person workforce. Wood told employees that, quote, we are very close, end quote, to completing the jobs review and that they could expect details soon after the company's board of directors is briefed. Quote, I wish I could say we were finished, but we are not. We still have some significant headwinds. More work to do, and unfortunately, further reductions are necessary, end quote. 
This is an email. It's crazy. It's, you know, hey, it's, it's continuing. Wall Street Journal stocks decline as stimulus talks continue. Investors also parsing quarterly earnings reports. Tesla among those reporting later today. U.S. stocks closed lower today as negotiations over a stimulus bill continued. The S&P 500, which traded in a narrow range throughout the session, closed down 7.6 points or two-tenths of a percent. These stimulus talks, there's rattling markets. Reuters.com, S&P ends choppy session lower as U.S. stimulus talks drag on. Wall Street's three major averages close lower on um, volatile trading session as investors worried whether difficult negotiations in Washington would produce a deal for a fresh U.S. stimulus package. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows said that while there are a number of differences between the White House and congressional Democrats, Republican presidential, I'm sorry, President Donald Trump was, quote, willing to lean into, end quote, working on an agreement. Very interesting. Something to check out. Pay attention. Reuters.com, U.S. economy recovering slowly, but some sectors struggling. This is a Fed survey. The U.S. economy continued to recover at a slight to modest pace through early October as consumers bought homes and increased spending. But the picture varied greatly from sector to sector, the Federal Reserve said today. The Fed's beige book report was decidedly more upbeat than the September version, with more districts using the words positive and optimistic to describe various aspects of their local economies. Still, the anecdotal report of business conditions across Fed districts painted a picture of an uneven recovery from the pandemic-induced downturn. On consumer spending, for instance, the Chicago Fed reported it had increased robustly. The New York Fed said it had leveled off, and the Kansas City Fed described it as having declined modestly. Districts characterized the outlooks of contact as generally optimistic or positive, but with a considerable degree of uncertainty, the Fed said in the report, manufacturing activity increased at a moderate pace and consumer spending grew, but some districts said retail spending was beginning to level off. The Fed found that steady demand for homes boosted the residential real estate market and lifted overall loan demand, but the commercial real estate market in contrast continued to quote deteriorate end quote in many districts with the exception of warehouses and industrial space and we'll move forward not looking good Reuters.com 12 million people in Britain will struggle to pay bills the watchdog says so it's not just the United States Some 12 million people in Britain are likely to struggle with bills and loan repayments as the pandemic continues to wreak economic havoc. A Financial Conduct Authority survey tracking consumer financial resilience showed last week. The survey conducted in July found 12 million people in Britain had low financial resilience and also found that one-sixth of those people had become financially vulnerable since February 
after lockdowns to control the virus slashed incomes and led to thousands of job cuts. Survey in which 7,000 people took part showed that almost a third of adults have suffered a drop in income, while income for households has fallen by a quarter on average. Sticking with the UK Forbes.com, UK store closures reach record levels, topping 11,000 so far, a report finds. More than 11,000 stores went to the wall in the UK in the first half of 2020, with over twice as many net closures compared to the same period last year. The brutal numbers come from research by the local data company Advisory and tax services firm PwC. They're data based on analysis of more than 210,000 outlets operated by multiples from so that 11,120 chain outlets have been shuttered this year so far. The net decline, the worst in five years, was 6,001 when taking into account 5,119 shop openings. However, the fall is close to double the net closures of 3,509 seen in the first half of 2019. Yipes. MSN, in care of or in lieu of Reuters.com, Gap looks at closing stores in some European countries. San Francisco-based company Gap is considering closing stores in some European countries as the apparel retailer looks to save cash while dealing with a sales slump brought on by the pandemic and competition from fast fashion companies. The company, which had 129 Gap brand stores in Europe at the end of July, said late on Tuesday... Options are being explored include the possible closure of outlets in the United Kingdom, France, Ireland, and Italy by 2021. Uh, What we got? These chains are permanently closing the most stores in 2020. So American stores were in rough shape even before the pandemic, but the pandemic has worsened the toll on traditional retailers. So far, in 2020, more than 8,000 retail locations have gone dark for good. Greetings, 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 family. So, as you're listening to my mentor, so uh, first off, I would like to say peace and love to everybody who's tuning in. Yes, I'm back in the building. It's like, dang, does this guy ever sleep? Um, yes, I sleep. <laughs> it's just so much that goes on, it's hard for me to stay asleep. Um, matter of fact, before I jump into this, just listen. In the prophet, every national man and woman is born in the prophet. Whereas a sovereign government of the people is a public institution and therefore its public servants and its various artificial creations are in the public, including its artificial legal persons. A man or woman can either live in the private or act in the public. However, 
We are trained from the early age to accept a higher authority as normal. Most people exist in a culture of submission and conformiality, allowing numerous aspects of their lives to be controlled by the government. The populace is manipulated to become dependent, as you know, through the debt money, and conditioned to become fearful, which is broken into racism, terrorism, and wars. The manner and appearance of authority is usually intimidated by design, while the language of legal fictions deal in commerce, which is legalese and is deceptive. You are indoctrinated to act in a role of a legal person, which is an artificial creation of the state and a debtor serving as a surety for the corporate debt of your nation, in quotations, incorporation, INC. An artificial legal person is dead. And under the the Foreign Admiralty Maritime Jurisdiction, the international law of the sea. On the contrary, you are born into your own sovereign estate of body, mind, and soul. As a sentient man or woman, you live within the sovereign common law jurisdiction, the national law of the land. Your sovereign jurisdiction includes your inborn unalienable living rights which cannot be taken away from you without your fully informed and willful consent see legal persons are actors for governments banks and corporate entities they need to contract with the with other legal person or actors to extract their commercial energy these legal actors make the presumption that you are also acting in the role of a legal person in legal fiction under commerce which is why they are seeking to contract performance they always want the name or often the creation date of the person to establish a gender they need a person because they are absolutely there is absolutely no way they can contract directly with the living man or woman see they need a man or woman to consent to take responsibility in the matter of the person unknowingly or knowingly which is a John Durr. When a lead, when a living name, when a living name is mirrored by the registration of an artificial legal person on the birth certificate and a state trust is formed, such as Mr. John Doe Trust, any living man or woman knowingly in Jonder to such an artificial legal person blindly takes responsibility from the alleged debts of the trust as its trustee. Whereas a where whereas an aware living man or woman can separate themselves from the legal fiction because the rightfully the rightful controlling agent beneficiary ex- executor for Mr. John Doe Trust. See, legal actors will attempt to engage the person by posting letters by phone or on the highway or to make or enforce a contract misrepresenting a living man or woman as a fictional person causing unwittingly causing unwitting gender which is a crime of personage and is perpetuated by barbitry the crime of bringing false claims in the court see the term barbitry appropriately comes from the bar association which is the attempted gender by any legal person acting is a crime involving deceit. And that's under Section 240 of the NC Crimes Act. 
See, under common law jurisdiction, the law of the land, both parties must enter into every contract knowingly, voluntarily, intentionally, or the contract is unenforceable and void. However, under the Admiralty Maritime Jurisdiction, the law of the sea, consent to contract can be presumed by silent acquiesce unless the party contracted thereby rebuts the presumption of the consent. If you do not wish to consent to their contract or offer what we call presentment, you must rebut the presumption that you are acting in the role of a fictional legal person. You are never obliged to answer questions or to provide government issued ID truly to uphold your government of the people. It is not your duty to answer questions. It is your duty to ask questions. You have the right to know who is making a claim against you. The right to know who is injured, who is the injured party, who the injured party is. The right to conditionally accept any claim against your against you upon verification see the right to reserve your rights without prejudice thereafter the right to remain silent to avoid self-incrimination here are the major retailers that are permanently closing the most stores in 2020 starting with the biggest announcements number one GNC closing up to 1,200 stores GNC which has been selling nutrition and diet products since 1935 is slimming down in a big way. Number two, Pier 1 Imports, excuse me, 936 stores. Pier 1 Imports decided to throw in the towel and the scented candle, the silk pillow, and the papasan chair and every other item this home furnishings retailer has been known for. The chain didn't plan to go out of business in 2020, but began the year announcing that nearly half of more of its 900 stores was shut down. The company filed for bankruptcy and was hoping to find a buyer. Quote, Unfortunately, the challenging retail environment has been significantly compounding and has been compounded by the profound impact of the pandemic, hindering our ability to secure such a buyer and requiring us to wind down. End quote. This is Pier 1 CEO Robert Reisbeck said in a May 19th release. The closing of all Pier 1 stores brings an end to a retailer that started in 1962 with one location selling beanbag chairs, incense, and love beads to baby boomers in San Mateo, California. Number three, stage stores. 738 stores. It's hard for regional discount department stores to hold their own against national giants, Walmart, Target and Kohl's, the latest retailer to find this out is Stage Stores, the owner of Gordman's off-price stores and a bunch of other regional brands, including Beals, Goodies, and Peebles. The company filed for bankruptcy on May 10th and said it would permanently shut down all of its stores. Number four, Manza Warehouse and Joss A. Bank. Store closings in 2025. Hundred Commercials for Men's Warehouse used to end with the chain's gravel voice founder and CEO George Zimmer vowing that if you bought one of the company's suits, quote, you're going to like the way you look, I guarantee it, end quote. But Zimmer was ousted in 2013 and guys who are now working from home because of the pandemic have decided they look just fine in polos and jeans. Suit sales have collapsed. And the owner of Men's Warehouse 
have filed for bankruptcy. Weeks ahead of early August bankruptcy, Tailored Brands, which also owns the Joss A. Bank, Moore's, and K&G clothing chain, said it would shut down up to 500 of its roughly 1,400 stores in the United States and Canada. The goal is to become, quote, a stronger company that has the financial and operational flexibility to compete and win in a rapidly evolving retail environment, end quote. So the CEO said, number five, New York and Company, 405 stores. I'm just going to keep going. Number six, GameStop, 320 stores. Number seven, Signet Jewelers. The world's largest retailer of diamond jewelry, K Jewelers, Zales, Jared, the Gallery of Jewelry, Piercing, Pagoda, JB Robinson Jewelers, and several other brands are all a part of the Signet family. The store started the year off very strong with Valentine's Day sales. But that was before the pandemic struck. Number eight, Steinmark. Several retailers have been done in by the pandemic following decades in business. In the case of the discount department store Steinmark, it lasted for well over a century since 1908. But the company announced in mid-August that it filed for bankruptcy and would close a significant portion, if not all, of its brick-and-mortar stores. Number 9, Bed Bath & Beyond, 260 stores. Number 10, AT&T, 250 stores. AT&T is hanging up. 250 of its retail locations, including both AT&T stores and Cricket Wireless Shops, Labor Union, the Communications Workers of America says the closings will affect 1,300 employees. Number 11, Victoria's Secret, 250 stores. With sales declining, Victoria's Secret has announced that about a quarter of its more than 1,000 stores in the U.S. and Canada will be out of business by the end of 2020. Number 12, Chico's, 250 stores. Number 13, Tuesday Morning, 232 stores. Number 14, Gap, 230 stores. The Gap chain is shrinking in more ways than one. The clothing retailer is on its way to closing around half of its stores through early 2021. The company made the decision following a not-so-merry 2018 holiday season that saw Gap sales decline 5%. So you can't blame that on pandemic, can you? Number 15, JCPenney, 204 stores. JCPenney has survived since 1902, but the company's department stores are a fixture in shopping malls across America is now battling for its life against Amazon, Walmart, Target, and off-price retailers such as TJ Maxx. Penny filed for bankruptcy protection in mid-May and informed federal regulators it would permanently close 242 of the stores. Number 16, Family Video. Wow, 200 stores. Never mind Blockbuster. With its one remaining store in Bend, Oregon, another video chain is still around renting DVDs and Blu-rays, but closing. But the closing credits are running on many of its location. Family Videos largest movie and game rental chain is closing hundreds of its stores 300 will remain open number 17 the children's place 200 stores number 18 art van furniture 200 stores number 19 walgreens 200 stores number 20 destination maternity 183 stores number 21 papyrus 
178 stores. Number 22, Forever 21. <laughs> 178 stores, the last of them. Forever 21 has been one of the giants in fast fashion business. But with young shoppers now questioning whether Forever 21's disposable clothing is good for the planet, the retailer has been forced to file for bankruptcy and shut down part of its business. Number 28, um, Models or Models Sporting Goods. Never heard of it. 153 stores. Number 24, AC Moore. 145 stores. Number 25, Macy's. 125 stores. Wilson's Leather. A chain known for its leather belts, shoes, handbags, gloves, and especially jackets is zipping it up. Parent company G3 Apparel Group decided to close the last of Wilson's leather stores, which dwindled from more than 700 locations that operated in the U.S. and Canada in the early 2000s. G3 is shutting down its 89 GH Bass shoes and clothing stores as well. The company says it wants to focus on what it calls five global global power brands DKNY, Donna Karen, Calvin Klein Tommy Hilfiger and Carl Lagerfield Number 27, Office Depot is closing 90 stores Number 28, Olympia Sports is closing 76 stores, Express, number 29 66 stores Sir La Table 56 stores Number 30 31, Brooks Brothers um, 51 stores, Sears, more than 130 years old, dying a slow death, the iconic chain was once the largest retailer in the country, and it played a key role in the rise of shopping malls, and the company emerged from bankruptcy in 2019, but not looking any stronger, the month, the month since have seen one round of store closings after another, dozens more locations will be shutting down in February, the chain's Current owner says the statement is pruning operations that have struggled due to increased competition and other factors. I mean, Bose, Kmart, 45 stores. It'll leave, once once it closes these stores, it'll leave only 182 stores. I'm sorry, 182 Sears and Kmart stores. Uh, Lucky's Market, CVS is closing 22, Gordon Taylor, Hallmark, Nordstrom, the list goes on and on, let me move forward, uh, Reuters.com, streaming service Quibi to wind down operations six months after it launched, mm. streaming service Quibi said today it intends to wind down its operations and start a process to sell its assets just six months after its launch. The announcement highlights the dominance that Netflix, Amazon's Prime Video, Disney Plus, and Apple TV Plus hold over smaller streaming service providers, which struggle to keep up against their large content budgets and vast libraries of shows. Now here's something that's very, very interesting. Three years ago, on this broadcast, we talked about how WTDTA radio was first introduced to alternative media and network. Uh, a total of about six years ago, there was a gentleman by the name of Jerry, not Jerry Butler, because that's who I actually um, was requested on Blog Talk to actually participate in this broadcast. Um, 
Richard. Richard. His name was Richard Butler. Not, not Richard Butler. I can't think of his last name right now. Um, Richard ran a, a, a platform called FTA, Free to Air Media, and got very close because we shared a common cause on technology and media and things of that sort. And, you know, we began to talk about how, you know, this was like 10 years ago, we're told. So 10 years ago, we was talking about how an alternate, you know, alternative media would have ultimately replaced mainstream media. And people 10 years ago really couldn't really fathom just how big uh, watching your videos on your portable device would ultimately become your main source of them media but when we start to see the technologies and how they were going to be integrated and how things are going to be phased out you know and at that particular time i was on the glance radio um, platform which does distribute content globally for those who don't understand the connection fta media provided a mechanism for us to broadcast internationally we were on satellite radio and television um, both on fox cbs various different platforms so when we got exposed to all that technology, we realized that, hey, uh, there's something to this. Now, when you hear about Amazon and Netflix today, they're like the giants in the alternate media platform. We're now, you know, quote unquote, in the middle of a pandemic uh, where, you know, social distancing has created the ability to be uh, self-aware, self-educated, all from your humble abode, so to speak, but you're interacting with a system, uh, these things become even more evident. So, just thinking out loud, I said, well, if you're going to get in front of this tidal wave, this tsunami, I don't know how many of you guys are actually tuned into the training last night, so this is a continuation from the, the training, where my other mentor, um, Brother Sharif, was literally telling you about the tsunami that's coming but you got to understand the tsunami remember we talked about the logistics industry as being one of the first industries to be affected by this integration of information and technology so just listen it's very interesting because over 10 years ago we talked about it continue to talk about it and now we're in the middle of it Keep listening, because if you listen long enough, you just might learn something. Greetings, greetings, greetings. You are now tuned into the vault. Trust Christian, know nothing, control everything. Just want to thank you for tuning in live or listening in replay. Always look forward to doing these episodes over at the vault. This is episode 249, Death of the Trucker Story. Uh, so appreciate everybody for tuning in live or listening to replay. Always appreciate you all. Feel free to type into the chat. Everybody that types into the chat live or listens, uh, you know, just feel free to type into the chat where you're listening from. If you're listening to replay, feel free to always type back into the chat, you know, where you're listening from. So people can see, you know, that we have a broad audience. And for us to always know, you know, where we need to do future workshops and things of that nature. So... Appreciate you all for tuning in live, listening to Replay. This is episode 249, Death of the Trucker Story. Uh, this is a very important episode uh, because right now we are seeing at the vault a transition happening. We've seen this for about two to three years, but actually over the past uh, three to six months, actually, 
being on the road because of the production lines changing, but there is still a demand for truck driving. Ladies and gentlemen, we are seeing a exodus of truck drivers enrolling in trustee training. People that they knew that they were thought they had a pretty secure position, not necessarily working for other people as a trucker, but they thought that they were secure because they see Amazon, they see that they can do uh, those things, but they already know they're taking a pay cut when they work for Amazon. There are more truck drivers that have CDLs that are working for Amazon and have taken a pay cut. You don't need a CDL to drive a Sprinter truck. So they have a CDLs and they're driving a Sprinter truck. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, we're seeing an exodus of actual truckers, people that are on the road, 18 wheelers. They get consultations. Not only do they get consultations, they actually make it a point to enroll in the trustee training. Appreciate Mississippi for tuning in live, listening to replay. Always appreciate Mississippi for tuning in live, listening to replay. A exodus of people leaving that industry and saying that, hey, if we are going to stay over here, we need to invest in this field because it's changing right now. So, you know, we told them, hey, we're doing episodes specifically for the truckers because this is something, ladies and gentlemen, that you all have seen, but you may not have seen in your lifetime. So there is a, a position at a bank that most people are aware of, uh, may or may not be aware of that has left the banking system. It's called a teller. Most people are doing banking through the Internet. Most people are doing banking through the drive through right now. A lot of people are not going inside the bank anymore. But people are very familiar with what's called an automatic teller machine. So ladies and gentlemen, the truckers, they're identifying with the facts that the trucks are being automated. And being on the road so much as we are, we can literally see that the truckers are who's on the road. But what happens... When the businesses are going to transition first into automated machines. The businesses, not the everyday consumer. The everyday consumer benefits from what businesses produce in mass so it can be in less quantity, a less cost to the consumer. It's like cell phones. Who has cell phones first? They were business purposes first. Now they're for the consumer. Now children have cell phones. Children didn't always have cell phones. Business people had cell phones. Then the everyday consumer had a cell phone. Well, guess what? Automatic cars are going to start with these truckers. They're already testing these automatic cars. Who else is testing out these automatic cars outside of truckers? We're going to pivot real quick. Guess what? Car rental companies are going to push electric vehicles. They're going to push electric vehicles at these... Uh, these car these rental car companies why not what benefit does it have them to keep people in a position where they have to continue to allow people to bring the car back half full they might as well just have a contract with tesla tesla stock has gone out the roof has this company ever made a dime they said they're still operating in the negative so let's get back to the truckers the ones that are getting ready to get put out of business it's the death of the trucker story today. It's the fact that these people are 
transitioning right now. They're losing their jobs. And they're going to continue to lose their jobs over the next 5 to 10 years, 20 years. You won't see truckers driving trucks anymore. People say, well, they're still tellers at the bank. But what do you use right now? Through times of pandemics, through different times. What do people use? They use they, People want the automation. They want the technology. What do you think is going to drive the company's cost up? Employees? Union workers? Or is it going to be the fact that they actually have automated their vehicles? That they've automated their entire fleet? Not just to electric gas-friendly vehicles. Because we already know that the government wants the, wants the companies to go green-friendly, green deal status. That's not going to happen. They're going to piss their friends off that they have oil deals with. But when they go to full electric and then autonomous trucks, what happens when your skill set is outdated, ladies and gentlemen? See, this is an easy story for you in other fields. What happens when you your skill set is no longer needed at the company because they have an automated position there? They have automated tellers. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in the age of machine learning. We're in the age of AI. But you didn't warn your friends, your families that are truckers. They not, they're not even investing in autonomous vehicles. That is the easiest place to see where AI and machine learning and any type of computer programming position, computer position, you can be replaced. Americans have seen that in customer service industry. Oh, really? They didn't replace you with automated machines in customer service. They replaced you with cheaper labor in India, in the Philippines. That's what they did in these third world countries. That the internet's there now. Well, all they got to do is give them a script. And if they can't answer your question, they give you to the supervisor. Or they'll hang up the phone on you. But the death of the trucker story is going to be the one that takes out a lot of Americans right now and we've had trustees come through that have had trucking companies that are truckers in general and they already know the deal the industry is changing they're investing now in autonomous vehicles vehicles that don't need a trucker other there than to supervise the trucks are going to stay on the road longer ladies and gentlemen it's over for truckers. If you can't, this is what makes you a good trustee. When the trustees are listening, what makes you a good trustee is you're able to look out into the future three, four, five, ten years in advance and say, we need to get in front of this wave. It's called a tsunami. You guys want to tickle your fancy today? Go on the internet and watch what a tsunami looks like. Go on YouTube and watch what a tsunami does. See, tsunamis are real gradual, but when they come, they don't stop for a while. They redistribute everything in that local economy. The businesses get destroyed. The people's livelihood gets destroyed. There's death and destruction to animals and wildlife and vegetation. 
and the death of the trucker story is the same exact thing. Their industry is being drastically changed. These people don't know how to ride on one side of the road. They're going to designate a lane for these people. Get in front of it with the Green Deal. Get in front of it. Get in front of this wave. Because it's upon us. What was most ironic in what my mentor is talking about, what is most ironic, is that we have been informing individuals in the trucking industry of the ability to recapture and recover 30% of the value of the freight because they're using that as a perpetual point to bring in and interdate this new technology. So their position is secure because those that are in the know in the logistics industry understand that there was actually a trust formed with the Department of Transportation but the beneficiaries of the initial trust haven't been operating in the capacity of a competent trustee when my mentor talks about getting in front of this tidal wave you need to really pay attention so without further ado, like they say in media, here's the rest of the story. Quote, the world changed dramatically since Quibi launched and our standalone business model is no longer viable. End quote. This is founder Jeffrey Katzenberg. The Los Angeles-based Quibi offers entertainment and news in episodes of 10 minutes or less on mobile phones initially promoted for on-the-go viewing the service was priced at $5 a month with advertisements or $8 a month without them. That's why you lost. Who's going to pay $5 a month and still look at ads? Man, good riddance. But nonetheless, it's out of here. CNBC gold jumps 1% as U.S. relief deal bets grow. Dollar retreats. Gold rose 1% to its highest in over a week today as investor, I'm sorry, investor optimism that a U.S. coronavirus aid package will be announced before the November 3rd presidential elections pressured the dollar and bolstered bullion's appeal as an inflation hedge. Ain't that something? Reuters.com, U.S. State Department approves $1.8 billion deal in potential arms sales to Taiwan. This is something to pay attention to. If you're at all in the political spectrum, speaking of politics, breaking news, CNBC, Iran is trying to meddle in U.S. election. Russia has obtained American voter info, national security officials say. Iran is taking steps to interfere in U.S. presidential election and Russia has obtained American voter information, national security officials announced today tonight quote Iran and Russia have taken specific actions to influence public opinion related to our elections end quote this is the director of national intelligence John Ratcliffe at a hastily scheduled press conference first we have confirmed that some voter registration information has been obtained by Iran and separately by Russia this data can be used by foreign actors to attempt to communicate false information to registered voters that they hope will sow confusion, chaos, and undermine your confidence in American democracy. Some people are really fucking stupid. 
Did you ever notice that? How many really stupid people you run into during the day? God damn, there's a lot of stupid bastards walking around. Carry a little pad and pencil with you. You wind up with 30 or 40 names by the end of the day. Look at it this way. Think of how stupid the average person is, and then realize half of them are stupider than that. And it doesn't take you very long to spot one of them, does it? Take you about eight seconds. You'll be listening to some guy. You say, this guy is fucking stupid. You can say what you want about this country, and I love this place. I love the freedoms we used to have. I love it. I love that. I love it when it didn't take a fucking catastrophe to get us to care for one another. I love the fact that we're on camera all the time from all angles. But you know what? You can say what you want about America. And I say I love this place. I wouldn't have it any other way. wouldn't live in any other time in history in any other place. But say what you want about America. Land of the free, home of the brave. We got some dumbass motherfuckers floating around this country. Dumbass motherfuckers. You know? These people... These people are efficient, professional, compulsive consumers. It's their civic duty, consumption. It's the new national pastime. Fuck baseball. It's consumption. The only true, lasting American value that's left, buying things. Buying things. People spending money they don't have on things they don't need. Money they don't have on things they don't need. So they can max out their credit cards and spend the rest of their lives paying 18% interest on something that costs twelve fifty, And they didn't like it when they got it home anyway. Not too bright, folks. Not too fucking bright. But if you talk to one of them about this, if you isolate one of them, you sit them down rationally, and you talk to them about the low IQs and the dumb behavior and the bad decisions, right away they start talking about education. That's the big answer to everything. Education. They say, we need more money for education. We need more, more, more books, more teachers, more classrooms, more schools. Uh, we need more testing for the kids. You say to them, well, you know, we've tried all of that, and the kids still can't pass the test. You say, oh, don't you worry about that. We're going to lower the passing grades. That's what they do in a lot of these schools now. They lower the passing grades so more kids can pass. More kids pass, the school looks good, everybody's happy, the IQ of the country slips another two or three points, and pretty soon all you'll need to get into college is a fucking pencil. <laughs> Got a pencil? Get the fuck in there, it's physics. Then everyone wonders why 17 other countries graduate more scientists than we do. They living in a coast-to-coast -coast shopping mall? Well, they think it's just fucking dandy. They think it is cool as can be, because Americans love them all. They love them all. That's where they get to satisfy their two most prominent addictions at the same time. Shopping and eating. Specifically, Ratcliffe said, Iran has been sending spoof emails designed to intimidate voters, incite unrest, and damage President Donald Trump. Before the press conference, the leaders of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence issued a joint statement about threats from adversaries to U.S. election system, excuse me, six systems and infrastructure. Acting Committee Chairman Mark Rubio and Vice Chairman Mark Warner said they urge every American, including members of the media, to be cautious about believing or spreading unverified sensational claims related to votes and voting this is a big deal you know um you know a lot of fingers 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 a lot of fingers are being put uh pointed at russia and iran 
And, you know, it's definitely something I'm paying attention to. Now, moving towards, you know, what we're talking about today with, with the Great Reset. Bankrate.com, new index for adjustable mortgages, home equity loans may change your payment. All right. This is the LIBOR. A technical change is underway in the world of adjustable rate mortgages and mortgage-backed loans. Like revolving home equity lines of credit known as HELOCs, it's worth your attention because it could cost you. For decades, the rates of many of these loans and a variety of other financial products were determined by an index called the London Interbank Overnight Rate, or the LIBOR. But that's being phased out in favor of a new index called the Secured Overnight Financing Rate, or SOFR. If you have an adjustable rate mortgage, a home equity line of credit, or a reverse mortgage, it's probably a good time to check with your servicer about which index your loan is tied to because it could affect your rate the next time you're due for an adjustment. That huge stack of documents you sign for your loan will have the index listed in there. Both LIBOR and SOFOR measure the cost of short-term borrowing, though they measure that cost differently. SOFOR is based on actual market transactions whereas LIBOR was determined by what various banks would charge each other to borrow on an overnight basis and was subject to manipulation, which, would, which has led to its demise. This is Greg McBride, Bankrate's chief financial analyst. Essentially, LIBOR came under scrutiny in the aftermath of the Great Recession because bankers had been manipulating the rate. The issue with LIBOR is it's based on submissions and not based on very many observable prices. The idea behind SOFR is it's based on observable prices in the market. So SOFR was developed to be more accurate metric that was harder for a small pool of banks to manipulate. When is the shift happening? It, it has already begun. In the United States, the transition from LIBOR to SOFR is being overseen currently which means right now by the alternative reference rates committee or ARC of the federal reserve board and New York fed ARC recommended that most new adjustable rate mortgages reference SOFR instead of LIBOR beginning this month. Some banks started you issuing SOFR loans earlier. So you may have already entered this new stage of finance if you closed on one of the affected kinds of debt recently. And this is having to do with the change from the LIBOR to the SOFR. And I think this is what informing a lot of this push up to this reset. And it's not just for mortgages, although this is a consumer-based um, news source. So that's, that's who they're talking to. Um, why central banks want to create their own digital currencies like Bitcoin. This is on the Wall Street Journal. Central banks around the world are weighing, introducing a new kind of money known as digital currency. China has been at the forefront of such efforts. In April, Beijing said it would expand its pilot program from I'm sorry, for a homegrown electronic payment system which shares some features with Bitcoin and other private cryptocurrencies to a number of large 
cities. And this is this is really what I want to get into. You know, we're, we're talking about the Great Financial Reset. So if y'all aren't up, let's jump into this. The Great Reset. IMF calls for economic reset. So if you're at all in any way familiar, on June 10th, we did a show here on the Foundation on High Frequency Radio Network entitled, you know, uh, Globalization... 4.0 or I can't 2.0 I'm, I'm sorry I'm very sorry I can't remember the exact the exact name of the show but it's like globalization 2.0 the great reset or something like that and this that was referencing what the world economic uh, forum was talking about the world economic forum now we got the international monetary fund so on October 15th just like six days ago the IMF published a speech written, written by the International Monetary Fund's Washington, D.C. Managing Director, Kristalina Georgieva. It's called A New Bretton Woods Moment. Now, Bretton Woods is when the Bretton Woods Agreement, yeah, I mean, some consider it the creature from Jekyll Island, it's when, you know, the major countries of the world got together and decided that the United States dollar would be the 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 world reserve currency and that banks and 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 countries currencies would not be backed by gold their currencies would be backed by the United States dollar and the, and the United States dollar will be backed by gold and then uh, in 1970, I don't know, one or whatever exactly, when Truman, Truman closed the gold window for good. And ever since then, the entire world economy has been based, been running off a of fiat monetary or fiat currency system. So we're talking about the 70s. Here we are in the 2020s, and that's 50 years. All right. So people can say, oh, the dollar has been in existence for, look, the, the fiat dollar hasn't really been popping since the 70s. Let's just be honest. And we can get into that. But I digress. Excuse me. So, it's a new Bretton Woods moment is being called, called for. Um, so, there's a guy that I follow. He's a um, he's a macro strategist when it comes to economics. His name is uh, Raul Paul. He he said that. Um, this announcement alludes to a huge change come to the global financial system. I feel like this is the reset that I've ta been talking about for years. Um, quote, if you don't think the central bank digital currencies are coming, you are missing a big and important picture. This is going to be the biggest overhaul of the global financial system since Bretton Woods. This International Monetary Fund article alludes to a huge change coming, but lacks real clarity outside of allowing much more fiscal stimulus via monetary mechanisms and tomorrow the international monetary fund holds a conference on digital currencies and cross-border payment systems so it's a very vague article i'm just going to read the whole thing it's not even that long um it's called a new Bretton woods moment by kristalina georgieva uh, International Monetary Fund Managing Director, Washington, D.C. You can check this out. IMF.org. A new Bretton Woods moment. I'm serious. I'm not making any of this up. This stuff is crazy, though. I first want to thank Dr. Ernest 
Kwamina Addison for his excellent remarks and contributions as chairman of the International Monetary Fund's Board of Governors. Reflecting on the dramatic change in the world over the last year, I paid a visit to Bretton Woods, New Hampshire, where 44 men signed our Articles of Agreement in 1944. Our founders faced two massive tasks. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. By, by the way, and Bretton Woods is when they created the International Monetary Fund and uh, I think another organization. I can't remember. Um, our founders faced two massive tasks to deal with the immediate devastation caused by the war and to lay out the foundation for a more peaceful and prosperous post-war world. At the conclusion of the conference, John Maynard Keynes captured the significance of international cooperation as hope for the world. Quote, if we can continue, the brotherhood of man will have become more than a phrase, end quote, he said. Brotherhood of man. As we look forward to welcoming Andorra as our 190th member, the work of the International Monetary Fund is testament to the values of cooperation and solidarity on which a sisterhood and brotherhood of humanity is built. Today we face a new Bretton Woods moment. A pandemic that has already caused more than a million lives, an economic calamity that will make the world economy 4.4% smaller this year and strip an estimated $11 trillion of output by next year. An untold human desperation in the face of huge disruption and rising poverty for the first time in decades. Once again, we face two massive tasks. A fight, I'm sorry, to fight the crisis today and build a better tomorrow. We know what action must be taken right now. A durable economic recovery is only possible if we beat the pandemic. Health measures must remain a priority. I urge you to support production and distribution of effective therapies and vaccines to ensure that all countries have access. I also urge you to continue support for workers and businesses until a durable exit from health crisis can be found. We have seen global fiscal actions of $12 trillion. Major central banks have expanded balance sheets by $7.5 trillion. These synchronized measures have prevented the destructive macrofinancial feedback we saw in previous crises. But almost all countries are still hurting, especially emerging market and developing economies. Now, I don't know if you was paying attention to what my mentor just said. But we're just going to hold the presses because what I just heard is saying that we're actually up for a new Brenton Woods system and agreement. Pazell. What is Britain Woods? I mean, I hear you guys talk about that all the time. What exactly is the Britain Woods Agreement? What was all that about since we're up for a new one? Well, the Britain Woods system is a monetary management. The Britain Woods system of monetary management, excuse me. Established the rules for commercial and financial relations among the United States, Canada, and Western European countries, including Australia and Japan. After the 1944 Britain Woods Agreement, the Britain Woods system was the first example of a fully negotiable, negotiated 
monetary order intended to govern monetary relations among independent states. See, the chief features of the Bretton Woods system were an obligation for each country to adopt a monetary policy that maintained its external exchange rates with 1% by tying its currency to gold and the ability of the intermonetary fund to bridge temporary imbalances of payments. Also, there was a need to address the lack of cooperation among other countries to prevent cooperative devaluation of currencies as well. So, they had successfully taken everyone off the gold standard. And then the United States dollar became the world's reserve currency through the Britain Woods Agreement. So, we're now up for a new Britain Woods Agreement. So let me explain this to you where everybody will get it. There was a policy to take gold out of your hand, away from the dollar, and there's a policy to bring the currency back to the dollar. In other words, bring the gold back to the currency. Here's the question. If you don't understand what has just taken place in the real estate market with these mortgage-backed securities, I actually have a small group of trustees who are actually notaries who I took the liberty of exposing what took place. I'm not going to get anybody in trouble. So it happened on one Saturday. If you want to know, just talk to the notaries. They'll explain it to you. But we witnessed this transformation of wealth beforehand. So we already knew that Lava was already dead. And when H.R. 5404 was brought back up in dialogue, we already knew there was going to be a policy in play to repeg the currency back to gold. This is why it's encouraged that you're supposed to be hedging and leveraging your assets into constitutional money. Because if you don't, the writing is already on the wall. So this new Britain Woods system that I just heard my mentor talk about. See, let me remind you what happened in 1971. On October, on, on the 15th of August, 1971, the United States unilaterally terminated the convertibility of the United States dollar to gold, effectively bringing the Britain Woods system to an end and rendering the dollar a fiat currency. At the same time, many fixed currencies such as pound sterlings also became free floating. So, when they in, entered this new system, it stopped the convertibility of the U.S. dollar to gold. So here we have a new system that's going to bring the fiat back to a gold standard. And if you want more information on that, just type in in your smart devices, HR5404. Keep listening because if you listen long enough, you'll learn something. And while the global banking system entered the crisis with high capital and liquidity buffers, there is a weak tail of banks in many emerging markets. We must take measures to prevent the buildup of financial risks over the medium term. We face what I have called a long ascent for the global economy, a climb that will be difficult, uneven, uncertain, and prone to setbacks. But it is a climb up, and we will have a chance to address some persistent problems. Low productivity, slow growth, high inequalities, a looming climate crisis, 
We can do better than build back the pre-pandemic world. We can build forward to a world that is more resilient, sustainable, and inclusive. We must seize this new Bretton Woods moment. How? I see three imperatives. First, the right economic policies. Here we go. What was true at Bretton Woods remains true today. Prudent macroeconomic policies and strong institutions are critical for growth, jobs, and improved living standards. One size does not fit all. Policies must be tailored to individual country needs. Support remains essential for some time. Withdrawing it too early risks grave and unwarranted economic harm. So in this reference, I believe support is fiscal economic I'm sorry, economic stimulus support. The stage of the crisis will determine the appropriate shape of the support. Generally broader early on and more targeted as countries begin to recover. Strong medium-term frameworks for monetary, fiscal, and financial policies, as well as reforms to boost trade, competitiveness, and productivity can help create confidence for policy action now while building much-needed resilience for the future. That includes keeping a careful watch on risks presented by elevated public debt. Here we go. Elevated public debt. We expect 2021 debt levels to go up significantly to around 125% of gross domestic product in advanced economies, 65 in advanced economies included in the United States, 65% gross domestic product in emerging economies, and 50% gross domestic product in low-income countries. The fund is providing debt relief to its poorest members and with the World Bank, uh-oh, we support extension by the G20 of debt service suspension initiative. Beyond this, where debt is unsustainable, it should be restructured without delay. We should move towards greater debt transparency and enhance creditor coordination. I'm encouraged by G20 discussions on a common framework for sovereign debt resolution as well as on our call for improving the architecture for sovereign debt resolution, including private sector participation what we are there for our member countries supporting their policies and policies must be for people my second imperative to reap the full benefits of sound economic policy we must invest more in people that means protecting the vulnerable it also means boosting human and physical capital to underpin growth and resilience boosting human and physical capital Human resources, human labor. COVID-19 has underscored the importance of strong health systems. Rising inequality and rapid technological change demand strong education and training systems to increase opportunity and reduce disparities. Accelerating gender inequality can be a global game changer. For the most part, unequal countries closing the gender gap could increase GDP by an average of 35%. And investing in our young people is investing in our future they need access to health and education and also access to the internet because that gives them access to the digital economy so critical for growth and development in the future expanding internet access in sub-saharan africa africa by 10 percent of the population could increase real per capita gdp growth by as much as a four percentage points 
digitization or digitalization also helps with financial inclusion as a powerful tool to help overcome poverty. And this is what they're doing. They're trying to expand internet access all over the world and then put devices in your hand that hold those crypto, these, these, these Fed coins, man. Just as the pandemic has shown that we can no longer ignore health precautions, we can no longer afford to ignore climate change. My third imperative, we focus on climate change because it is macro critical, posing profound threats to growth and prosperity. It is also people critical and panicurical. In the last decade, direct damage from climate-related disasters adds up to around $1.3 trillion. If we don't like this health crisis, we will not like the climate crisis one iota. I mean, look, you, you, you're quantifying a health crisis in economic terms. But I guess you're the International Monetary Fund. Our research shows that with the right mix of green investment and higher carbon prices, higher carbon prices, about to do this carbon tax. Pay attention. We can steer towards zero emissions by 2050 and help create millions of new jobs. We have a historic opportunity to build a greener world, also a more prosperous and job-rich one. With low interest rates, the right investments today can yield a quadruple dividend tomorrow, avert future losses, spur economic gains, save lives, and deliver social and environmental benefits for everyone. The IMF's role, and then we're out of here. Look, we'll get to talking. At the fund, we are working tirelessly to support a durable recovery and a resilient future as countries adapt to structural transformations brought on by climate change, digital acceleration, and the rise of the knowledge economy. You hear what I'm saying? The rise of the knowledge economy. Since the pandemic began, we have committed over $100 billion, and we still have substantial resources from our $1 trillion in lending capacity. We will continue to pay special attention to the urgent needs of emerging markets and low-income countries, especially small and fragile states, helping them to pay doctors and nurses to protect the most vulnerable people and parts of their economies. So basically, they're going to be giving loans to you know up-and-coming countries and low-income countries, just in the same way that you know credit card companies try to give credit cards to uh, uh, college students. You know you're about to be getting that bread. Let's get that. And hopefully you're not very well versed in economics. Our unprecedented action was only possible thanks to our members' generous support, the doubling of the new arrangements to borrow, and a new round of bilateral borrowing arrangements preserves the financial firepower. Members have also stepped up with essential contributions to our catastrophe containment and relief and poverty reduction and growth trusts. This has allowed us to support our low-income members with debt relief and to triple our concessional lending. We are engaging with members to further boost our concessional lending capacity, adapt our lending toolkit, and increase support for capacity for development. IMF staff working day and night have been magnificent in this crisis. My sincere thanks to them and my management team. My deep appreciation also to our executive directors. They have been there every step of the way over the past six months. Conclusion sees the moment. The best memorial we can build to those who have lost their lives in this crisis. In the words of Keynes, that bigger thing, building a more sustainable and equitable world. Our founders did it. It is now our turn. 
This is our moment. Notice how there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of um, there's a lot of psychological language using this, and we want to you know bring in this this new Bretton Woods moment from the International Monetary Fund due to the crisis and you know to health and healthcare and you know climate change. I suggest you keep critical thinking. These fools knew that climate change was coming. They didn't do anything. They even changed it. They changed it from global warming to climate change. The Bretton Woods system was a huge change in the world's economic system. The agreement in 1944 established centralized monetary management rules between Australia, Japan, the United States, Canada, and a number of Western European countries. Basically, the world's economy was in shambles after World War II, so 730 delegates from 44 allied nations gathered in New Hampshire in a hotel called Bretton Woods. The group was led by the British representative John Maynard Keynes and the U.S. Treasury Department official Harry Dexter White. Many historians historians believe the closed-door Bretton Woods meeting centralized the entire world's financial system. On the meeting's final day, Bretton Woods delegates codified a code of rules for the world's financial system and invoked the World Bank Group. They created the World Bank Group and the International Monetary Fund. Essentially, because the United States controlled more than two-thirds of the world's gold, the system would rely on gold and the U.S. dollar. However, Richard Nixon shocked the world when he removed the gold part out of the Bretton Woods Pact in August 1971. It was Nixon, not Truman, my bad. As soon as the Bretton Woods system was up and running, a number of people criticized the plan and said the Bretton Woods meeting and subsequent creations bolstered world inflation. When the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank Group started, a leading editorialist in the New York Times abruptly had to leave their position for writing about the Bretton Woods system's horrible and negative effects on the global economy. A number of people believe that the International Monetary Fund is alluding to a new Bretton Woods means the powers that be will introduce a great reset if they have not already done so during the pandemic. Quote, it's the change of the economic system of today to one, which 1% of the elite will control 100%. An individual will only be part of the larger the International Monetary Fund is calling for help. Leads me to believe that the current fiat system is going to be crashing down very soon. This may or may not be, and more likely could be, the Great Reset. Two major problems in the world's financial system exist right now. Let me just let me just pop in here. Let me just jump in this. Number one. The demise of the U.S. dollar is the world's reserve currency. Because of the stimulus, there's more and more dollars in the system, which reduces the value of each said dollar. Um, And the ridiculous amount of uh, trillions of dollars of debt that the United States government is into, there is a lot and has been a lot of talk for years regarding the United States dollar being the world's reserve currency. And then number two, the almost 
uncontrollable growth in debts in central banks' balance sheets. So it's not just the Federal Reserve. It's all central banks within the international banking system. The UN, United Nations, has been calling for the development of a new world reserve system since like 1991. I personally have seen this coming for a long time. We also have the implementation of the Fed coin. This is coming whether you like it or not. This is happening whether you're prepared or not. And there's nothing that you can do to stop this. I think um, one of the biggest things when it comes to this this new Bretton Woods has to do with the um, the arrival the arrival of the only real rival to the World Bank which was created at the same time that the International Monetary Fund was created is the Asian Investment and Infrastructure Bank or it might be the Asian Infrastructure and Investment Bank this 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 is in my opinion a large rival to the World Bank so you know something needs to be done and I think you know that bank in China creating that bank forced their hand um, I, there's a lot of stuff coming because of a lot of debts could be going to become due, corporate debt, sovereign debt, the trans, the switch from um, the LIBOR to SOFR. We got the International Monetary Fund calling for an economic reset, a new Bretton Woods. We got um, the worldwide bank balance balance sheets are off the charts. We have so much stuff going on and now there's a report of Russia and Iran hacking elections and stuff in the United States so what does this mean what does this mean so let's go get into what this what this means because y'all know that I'll, I'll be talking and speaking on this stuff just to get people spooked that's, that's not my steez what's going on is I want to point this out to you So that you can understand what to do. And what am I saying to do? What I'm saying to do is, as I've always been saying to do, is it's time to set up your private estate. Now. Period. How is, how is this going to affect you personally? Um, if you have an individual account... And you have money going into that individual account. That individual account, especially if it's one of the FedCoin accounts, is going to be is going to be subject to all types of policies with regards to the Internal Revenue Service, the Federal Reserve, um, your state statutes. Who knows? And this this is the problem. You're also potentially dealing with very very confiscatory policies and laws with regards to confiscation the individual you know what as this gets deeper and deeper this whole economic reset this the the 
the death of the United States as the world um, reserve currency status, whatever it is. Countries tend to cannibalize themselves. So in other words, they begin to tax crazily their own citizens. Now, for those of you that are tuning in, you're in the middle of the accounting class because it just got real. It ain't that it just got real. It's been real, unfortunately. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of individuals have to now uh, get out of the, get off the sideline and get in the game. Quit speculating and get in the game. Roll up your sleeves and hold everybody accountable. Let me tell you why. For over 36 months, you have had ample time to get your house and your affairs in order. And unfortunately, and fortunately, some individuals aren't going to get their house in order until they're forced to get it in order. Fortunately and unfortunately, if you don't make a decision, one has already been made for you. My job is to only point out that you have options. So in the part of this session that's entitled accounting class, the rules of credit and debit today allow you a safe haven if you do the math. If you don't, do the math then it kind of looks like this your banks have already said that you are a liability to the bank which actually put them in a position where because you are a liability to them you and your activity can be looked at as an asset why because assets equal liabilities plus equity so you are a liability to the bank so therefore you become part of their asset classification see the banks have already said under TLIC that uh, you are actually creditors under the Dodd and Frank Act but because you refuse to act like creditors then we will take the credit and we will use it because we're holding everybody accountable. See, we're doing our accounting every month, every 45 days, every 60 days and every 90 days. Uh, we are giving these statements of accounts to the true creditors, but they are refusing to do what they're here to do. They want someone else to do that for them. So they really are trustees, but because they're not carrying out their fiduciary duties, we're going to put them into a classification of really being a beneficiary and a beneficiary of a trust doesn't call any shots you know they get to come to the meetings but they really don't have any say so you know you just you just along for the ride you know you're you're on the bus and if you don't like how the bus driver's driving you can press the button and we can put you out at the next stop but you will not change the route upon which the bus is going you're just along for the ride and unfortunately a lot of folks are 
finding out that they're alone for the ride. You know, when you didn't have no toilet paper and no hand sanitizer and, oh, my God, the sky's falling and this, that, and the other. If you went through any of that and you realize, wait a minute, then you're just alone for the ride. You're not calling no shots. And if that affected you at that point, that was your first test. If you find yourself not having enough, that was your test. Now they're telling you after after all along saying, "Well, what do you what do you mean reset? Reset? Well, look, currency is always reset. It's just a matter of how it's going to affect your economy." Now, the world's reserve currency. Just read HR fifty four hundred four. You know, for those of you that are in the accounting class, and you're like, "Well, you know, that's what you're saying, Bazell." It's like, I, I, I look. I'm not saying nothing anymore. Matter of fact, I'm not here to, to prove anything. I'm here to disprove everything. And what I mean by that is if you're not going to bring the math, <laughs> what are we really talking about? If you're not going to do the math, then what are we really talking about? I'm going to give you an opportunity to do the math in a way where it's going to save you. But if you don't want to do the math, then you will figure it out. Like, wait a minute, I don't like that. Well, you need to go to the drawing board and do some math to make it work. Because other than that, I'm just putting you on notice. It's not even up for debate anymore. These corporations are not waiting on you to figure it out. The bank is not waiting on you to figure it out. Nobody in commerce is waiting on anyone to figure it out they're going to say quote and unquote here's the facts now how you deal with the facts is up to you but you've been put on notice now that sounds a little cruel that sounds like wait a minute well you've had over three years to get this together i mean what how much more time do you need you know look system is not good or bad it governs those that need to be governed and for those that don't want to do the accounting maybe you need to be governed you're not ready for self-governing you know you're not you're not you're just not built for it you're not built for it because you don't want to do what's necessary and again i don't believe that everybody's that way i think everybody just hadn't had the same level of information because i think an intelligent person that gets certain information will make an intelligent decision and choice and effort and again, most of you are going to learn through experience. Can't learn it out of a book. You know, the trustee training is designed to give you fundamental concepts for you to develop your own concept from the fundamentals. Because the fundamentals are few. Processes are many. There's plenty of processes. I mean, don't just say, well, I got to use the Brazil Bay method. No, that's not for you. That's for you. I use that as a, as a form of articulation to explain that you too can do the exact same thing. Matter of fact, please do. But do something. Don't just go down with the ship. Don't just perish. Look, if you don't know how to swim, take this time to learn how to swim. Take some swimming lessons. You can take private lessons. One lesson at a time. When we talk about general intangible assets, you will notice that everybody is talking about everything else except for general intangibles. Why? Maybe because general intangibles, that's the safest part of the room. You know, what already is known does is already understood. doesn't need to be discussed. The people in the private already understand this. They're not going to talk about it. You're not going to Google it. 
You know how many books I've written for the private community that you can't Google and find? I'm just simply saying they're private publications. It's proprietary. You know, um, but, you know, most individuals in the public, they, you talk about cost, you start talking about this, you know, some people in the public want something for nothing. Well, if it's really like this, then you'll do it for free. Hold on. Let's back up. Uh, You cannot put a price on anyone's intellectual property. And let's kind of back, really just kind of incorporate this into the conversation because I get emails all the time from different people all over. And so I'm going to put this disclaimer out there. (sighs) Freedom isn't free. And liberty is something you got to be willing to fight for. So there is no such thing as a free lunch. So if you're not coming with the expectation to have to pay for proprietary information, this is not for you. Just pay your taxes, keep your head low, and study when the boss ain't looking. That is the only advice I can give you if that is where you are. But those of you that don't expect something for nothing, now that you have this something, it's about you taking it and making it applicable. Don't expect your oppressors to say, great, good job, you did it right. Congratulations. What did he win, Bob? You know, because most people are sitting on the sideline, even when they're voting. What do you want? We want jobs. <laughs> you know. Look, trustee training is designed, and account, and, and the accounting class is a complimentary service of the trustee training. So, Trustee training is designed to teach you administration, trust administration. Well, how many classes do I need to take? Uh, this is a lifestyle. This is something that you're, it's like continuing ed. You know, you don't stop being a trustee. You know, you're always a trustee. And, and once you get to a certain proponent of this, you get to train successive trustees. It's up to you to be the change that you want to see. Uh, most of these things that we're talking about that are affecting your economic situation is by choice. But Zell, how could you say that? It's not a choice. Uh, yes, it is. Because in commerce, it's not what you say. It's what you do that determines who you are. Remember? You know. Most people get excited about becoming a trustee because I don't know let me say what it what it what inspired me what inspired me about becoming a trustee because being a trustee is a lot of work I mean it's a lot I'm not really you know I believe it or not I'm not really that type of people person you know I do it because I'm required to do it but I love what I do so don't get it twisted but I had to grow because I was really a reclusive type person. You know, I don't really rock like that with a lot of people. You know, if that makes sense to you. I really, but becoming a fiduciary, I have to get outside of my comfort zone. And getting outside of your comfort zone, you have to do things you really initially don't want to do, but you know they're a necessity. Like what? Doing the paperwork. You know, I didn't really like doing paperwork, but I realized that came with the territory. So somebody's got to do it. And I put a lot of emphasis on the paperwork that I do. Why? Because there's a commercial energy, an ether, a knowledge, a format for it. And that usually carries over when you, you know, 
a lot of times people won't even have to look at the paper when I'm talking to them. But I need them to look at the paper while I'm talking to them so they can see what I'm saying. Because you're not going to pick up everything that I am saying. I think a whole lot faster than I talk. And that's just what makes me unique in that regard. I, mean, I, I don't have what they call 20-20 vision. So being legally blind, I've had to utilize other skills. And so that usually carries over into the information I try to disseminate to another person because I got to remember just because I can't see 2020 doesn't mean they can so I have to I have a lot of information a lot of information that may not be quote unquote necessary for everybody to learn but that is a deficiency that I'm working through to help everyone because this is how I was able to acquire the information you know I'm forced to read things seven to ten times so it becomes part of me so I can be able to reiterate it to another person and it's not for you it's for me you know I have to know you know I don't know about you I have to know what I'm talking about and why I'm saying what I'm saying I just don't like saying things that I don't know one thing about me I don't know everything I just had a lot of time to do research and study and that should not be a bad thing. You should not be shunned for that. You should not be looked at like you're an alien because of that, you know. But unfortunately, you are, you know. If you sit under your read tax code and not don't know who's going to the Super Bowl this year, you're an alien, you know, to the mainstream. So call me a square, whatever. It doesn't affect me. I got tough skin. What I'm saying at the end of the day is accounting is designed to hold those accountable. This new Britain Woods agreement, the Britain Woods agreement, if you understand the civics and law behind it, you will see why it's very, very important and why no one in mainstream really is getting any brownie points for talking about. And my mentor is reading this off of a financial publication. Why? Because those in the financial world are very interested in the Britain Woods agreement and the new agreement and how it affects what they're doing. Because it's like, hey, this is fellas. This is it. You know, this is it. This is the tsunami that my mentor has been talking about. This is a tsunami. You know, this is this is about this friend to redistribute everything. Now, watch this. When the last Britain Woods agreement was taking place, people who had a twenty dollar bill in 1971 and then the next day after the agreement went in place still had the same nominal $20 but it was very different because one $20 the day before could actually be used in a certain capacity the next day couldn't but it appeared to be the same and most individuals because they don't understand this information it's not going to it's going to be like, you. St- well, I still have it. Yeah, but what can you do with it? It's different now. And a lot of people don't realize that's what happened during this pandemic. A switch went off. And it looks like it's the same, but it's not. And when you do the accounting, you'll see. Hell no, it's not the same. Can't be. Oh, Lord, what happened? When you boil a frog to death, if you cut the water up wide open and throw him in, he'll hop right out because he's cold-blooded. But if you place that frog into a pot of water and slowly cut the heat up, 
he'll go to sleep. And since COVID, some people went to sleep. Notice how I said that some people went to sleep. The heat got cut up and they got comfortable and they went to sleep. When the frog goes to sleep, he may wake up to a new episode. You know, like what happened? Well, you fell asleep, you boiled to death, and you're on another page now. Oh, what does that mean? Well, you know, that's what a lot of people are facing. It's like you are awakening into a whole new world. Now, current expected credit losses are interdated not just here in the United States, but globally, internationally. It is an international standard, but the Americanized version of it talks about the replacement of ALLL. Why? Because that was the sector where they was hiding all the bones. This was, you know, ALL is was was being used on the 10K filing statements as a <laughs> a graveyard. I'm not gonna call it what it is. I mean, we're in accounting class. I get to talk, you know, to other trustees. So, it was a graveyard. This where uh when you talk about gold and silver portable land, uh, we only talked about it on paper after the fact. Now, if you're talking about Federal Reserve notes, uh, you know, we get into what they're talking about, the confiscation rules. Federal Reserve notes is military war script. That's what it is. And that's what my mentor is talking about. So you're officially an accounting class as of right now. And so when you hear him talk about Federal Reserve notes, trustees, they're actually military war script and they're subject to confiscation. Keep listening because you might learn something. Governments. So this this is just beginning. And I know for a fact that those those who are dealing with an individual individual accounts, individual savings accounts, individual um, retirement accounts, these individual man look, this stuff is not the place, it's not going to be the place to be when this is all done when this is when this is all finished it's not to be, it's not to be on the public individual side is what I'm telling you, that's not the place to be they're locking it down to where once we transition into this new system, that most people or maybe even all everyone that is can still in the system will no longer have a way to get out. And I mean, you know, maybe some people can't fathom that. But I can. And I think, you know, this move, this this is a coordinated worldwide move. When it comes to this monetary system reset, what's really going on, in my opinion, is, you know, this Asian infrastructure and investment bank, this rival to the World Bank really spooked them. And, you know, to many, it's obvious that the world economic center of power and gravity is moving eastward. It's moving to the east, you know, it's, it's leaving Western hands and Western power. 
United States. It's, it's leaving, you know, England, the UK. It's leaving Western powers and moving to the East, moving, moving to China, moving to Iran, moving to Russia, you know, moving to these Eastern countries. You just look at the numbers, look at, look at the charts, look at the numbers. You can see what's going on. You can absolutely see it. And there's nothing, like I said, there's nothing you can do about it. There's absolutely, there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. You can't stop it. What you can do is protect your position and protect your family's position. You can get in a position of protection. I'm telling you, once these digital wallets drop, it's a wrap. And what I think they're going to do, and I could be wrong, I think the next stimulus is going to go through these digital wallets, these FedCoin wallets. That's the only way they're going to get everybody to bite. Is if they push all the stimulus through the Fed wallets, they say, oh, they got our, they got our election stuff, the, the Iranians, the, the Russians, they hacked us, they got all our election stuff, the Feds is telling you, you know, it's not safe, we're not sending checks anymore, we're not doing direct deposits because the hacks, it's not safe, we're going to put it in your, your digital Fed coin wallet, that's where you're going to get your stimulus checks, and you know what? We, we decided we're going to we're going to pilot a program where you get a stimulus check every two weeks, but it only goes into your Fed coin wallet. Watch the move. I could be wrong. I could be absolutely wrong. I hope I am. But we got the World Economic Forum. We got the. The United Nations. And now we got the International Monetary Fund calling for a monetary reset, a worldwide monetary reset. It's happening right now. I saw breaking news. You know, the FBI just released that Iran and Russia is hacking the election. You don't think they're going to say, oh, they hacked our banks? The only banks that are secure... Or is the Fed bank with the Fed coin and the Fed wallet? And a lot of people, you know, I got emails. I got emails from the last show. You know, people talking about the Fed wallet. I got emails. You know, people like, well, you know, if we got a trust. What's the implications of the, of the, of the Fed coin? With the trust, I'm like you just get the Fed, you get the Fed wallet in the name of the trust, not the individual. The trust is governed by the trust indenture, the private contract. The individual is governed by state and federal statutes. So regardless, there's still going to be, you know, overall some sort of rule of law. But you got to be in the correct position. You got to be in the correct position. You got to put your family in the correct position to take advantage. You don't under, y'all, a lot of y'all don't understand what we're going through right now, what we're living through. And it's an amazing moment in time. They're going to write books about this period from the pandemic to how they reset the monetary system on a worldwide scale, um, how we were, we were hitting wildfires. Everything was going crazy. And this, this is the, the, the pinnacle moment in history. In the history of humanity or whatever. There's a lot of things going on right now. Very, very historic times. 
But don't get lost in the sauce and caught up. Because ultimately, this has always been what it's about. When I came to High Frequency Radio Network, my main mission has always been the same. Teach you how to do business in a different name. Whether it's an LLC, a business trust, a family trust, an asset trust, a private family foundation. That's been my entire mission with SOL, the foundation, period. Because I knew, I knew, I've been all over the world. I met a lot of great people, a lot of smart people. I also met people that that I respected and trusted. And they taught me how to see things. And then when I saw what was coming, my mentor looked at me and pretty much it was like, okay, so what you going to do? And I made it my mission, part of my life's mission to educate y'all with regards to private estates and private structures so you can have some sort of leverage, some sort of, 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 of cover, some sort of, of, of. leeway or something some sort of real specific standing some sort of real standing against what's coming because it's coming it's coming fast and it's coming in hot every day I sit down and look at the news I see it you know I saw and you know my man my man told me how to read the news he said they be they be talking to each other countries talk back and forth to each other they had a they had a, a a little thumbnail. European stocks closed lower on failed talks of U.S. stimulus, and then they got a picture of Nancy Pelosi smiling all from ear to ear, talking about European stocks going lower. Come on, man. Come on, man. It's, there's taunting going on at high levels. There's craziness going on at high levels. And, you know, the the overall point is to take care of yourself so that you can take care of your family. And, you know, this stuff ain't going, going anywhere. Uncontrollable growth in debts and in central banks' balance sheets. For all these issues, central banks have only been buying time since the start of the credit crisis in 2007. But given how sensitive this issue is, nothing can be said in public. Any official comments about a new Plan B will crash financial markets, which is Plan A, immediately. Central planners know the only way to plan a reset is to do it in total secrecy. You guys, how many how many listeners that are in the accounting class? Have you ever played, it's just a card game we all grew up on, you know, at least from my hood, you know. We all learned how to play spades. How many, how many guys actually have heard of the card game called spades? Well, if you have, then this should be familiar to with you. You know, everybody, when you play spades, they got different house rules, you know. So I want you to think, think that, all right, you're in the middle of a game of spades. And you got to now bid your hand. And the rules are, 
You're not supposed to talk across the board to your partner. You're only supposed to bid what you see and say what you bid. Now, those that know how to count can literally listen to what is being said, how it's being said or not being said. And regardless of what everybody else is talking about, if him and her or her and him or whatever the case may be, if the partners are on the same sheet of music, they can say things without saying things that will give an indication of what they're holding. So I kind of want you to think about that position is what's going on right now. They're talking across the board. You don't even know it. They're saying that we only got four books. And the game may be set in such a way that um, if they draw you into a lower sense of security, you know, they intend on taking all the books because of how they're going to play. If you're just all willy-nilly and all emotional, you're all over the place. You know, you and your partner might start arguing with each other. Well, I love that, you know, when you, you're playing against an opponent and you get them arguing among themselves. Like, okay, well, it's very easy for us now to take over the situation because there's no unity in the community. You know, they're arguing among themselves now, you know. They're arguing over each other on, well, you know, you're supposed to get this. and You didn't get that and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, you know, y'all supposed to be a team. If you know how to count, I always tell folks this. If you know how to count, <laughs> a blind man got no business at the card table. If you know how to count, this is a great game. You don't know how to count, you're not going to like it. You're playing against someone who does. And you got to understand these are professional bean counters. In other words, they're, they're counting what's in your pocket, my pocket, and everybody else's pocket. And when you're dealing with military war script, it's contraband. I want you to remember that. Keep listening because if you listen long enough, you just might learn something. Total secrecy. Go to sleep, wake up, boom. Wake up one Monday morning. Nope, we're not opening new trust accounts. Sorry. Sorry. This is the new system. We aren't opening new trust accounts at time. Sorry. Off you go then. Off you go. They shut down everything. They shut down the Secretary of State. You trying to get an authentication or something, man? Psh, yo, they shut down. And it, look, these fools want to do a reset, talking about all the problems that happened with the pandemic, but they ordered the shutdown. Now, a lot of people be like, well, they ordered a shutdown because, you know, health health reasons. Cool, cool. But why don't they say that? Why don't they say, hey, we having all these problems because we ordered the shutdown? No, we having all these problems economic because of the pandemic and blah, 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 blah. Nah, man, you shut everything down. I, 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 don't, I can't think of any time in history where the world economic activity, all of it, 
all across the world was pretty much came to a standstill. Other than 2020. It's, a, it's an amazing time. A lot of people are freaking out. A lot of people are losing it. A lot of people lost it. Lost their wife, lost their husband, lost their family, lost their they, they savings, lost their job, lost man. Look, this is the times right now. Is that an excuse to lose your mind? No. Is that an excuse to go crazy on people? No. Is that an excuse to slack in your plan? Slack with regards to your responsibilities. I can't tell y'all enough. I got people call me all the time. Yo, man, I love the show. I love the show. Good. What'd you do? Huh? What'd you do? What do you mean? When you you, you love the show, right? Yeah. What'd you love about the show? Well, you know, you were talking about you know trust now. Okay, so what'd you do? Huh? What'd you do? Oh, you know, I'm you know I'm, I'm working. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. Try. I'm a try. The word try is one of the weakest words that you can use as a grown adult. You either do it or you don't. You don't tell a grown ass man, I'm a try. I'm a try. I'm trying to. I just be like, all right, yeah, cool, man, cool. I ain't got time. I ain't got time for everything. I do have time just for I don't know how much longer to educate with regards to the real. I had my daughter look up in the law dictionary the word teacher and the word um, educate, educator, and the difference between being taught and being educated. And she looked at me with a confused face. You know, they, you know, they, they scrunch their eyebrow, they furrow their brow. You know how children are when they're confused and stuff. She was like, "Huh?" I was like, "How?" how do, so, having re- read that, baby, how do you how do you get a proper education when you're being taught? She's like, you don't, Dad. Exactly. I have enough time to educate y'all with regards to the fact that this thing is about to go pop like the weasel, fam. There's going to be people yelling and screaming and lamenting. It's like, yo, get off the beach. Get off the beach. No, nah, man, look. Look. You can see stuff you could never see before. The tide went all the way out. Yeah, man. Get off the beach, man. When the tide goes out that far, that means it's probably a tsunami coming. You don't know nothing, man. Come on, man. Get off the beach. Don't tell me what to do, man. Man, we are family. Get off the beach. I love you. I don't want to nap at you. No, nah, man. Don't tell me nothing, man. I got time. I'll try to get off the beach later. You ever heard of survivor's guilt? You ever heard of the term survivor's guilt? You should look into it. You should look it up. You should look it up. You should definitely look it up. 100%. Because survivor's guilt is real. I'm trying to tell y'all, fam. I'm trying to tell y'all, fam. I'm trying to tell y'all, fam. I'm trying to drill it into your head. Trust, trust, trust. Drill it into your head. They're about to flip the system. Drilling into your head what real assets are. Drilling into your head uh, fiat currency is worthless. Drilling into your head F a job. Drilling into your head set up a family business for multi-generational wealth. Drilling into your head F benefits. Drilling into your head set up a proper life insurance policy 
with health writers, proper health writers, and the proper terminal illness writers in the policy. Name running get the cheapest health health insurance you can find and have the estate expensive. Fool. Fool. They about to pop this thing off like like how we was chilling. We used to pop off the, you know, the little dandelion heads. You know what I'm saying? They about to, yo. They about to, mm-hmm. I'm telling you. I'm telling you like Sister Yvette be telling you. Look, all I can say is admin at welcometothefoundation.com. Uh, trustee training is in effect straight up. If you're an email list subscriber, which you should be, for email list subscribers only, we got some things popping off for you and only you. So if you have not already, go to www.welcometothefoundation.com and sign up for the email list. There's emails that get sent out only to email list subscribers. There's things I don't even say on the show, but they're said to the email subscribers. Those of you who are subscribed to the email list, you might open your phone. Open up your computer, see an email. You ain't heard nothing. You ain't heard a show. You ain't nothing. Oh, look what he said. Oh. 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 But this stuff isn't a joke, you know? This is, you know, and these these shows are being archived. They're on podcasts. Look. You can't say I didn't say anything. You can, you can, you'll never be able to say that Soap didn't tell you. But this reset is popping. It's going down. What are the implications? I am not completely sure. I will be honest. I'm not sure. I know that they are very, very immense implications. That these implications, if not prepped and ready for, will harm me and they will harm you. Because the old system is going away. The new system is coming in. You got to pay attention. You have to pay attention. Otherwise, you're going to lose your your footing. And that's not what's up. So, I don't know. So, I take some calls. I'm, I'm pretty much I'm pretty much wrapped up. I'm a little tired and stuff. I got into prepping for the show and was like, wow. New, all new Bretton Woods moment, fam. Most people, some of y'all be like, man, what is this dude talking about? Man, y'all need to look into it. The COVID-19 crisis is inflicting the most pain on those who are already most vulnerable. This calamity could lead to a significant rise in income equality, and it could jeopardize developing development gains from educational attainment to poverty reduction. New estimates suggest that up to 100 million people worldwide could be pushed into extreme poverty erasing all gains made in poverty reduction in the past three years. That is why policymakers must do everything in their power to promote a more inclusive recovery, one that benefits all segments of society. Our new research prepared jointly with the World Bank for the G20. What you mean? So you act like it prepared jointly with the World Bank. The Bretton Woods Agreement created the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund at the same time. That's like two brothers working together or two sisters working together. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, I prepared this in conjunction with my sisters. It's, it's, it's all good. More equitable access to opportunities is associated with stronger and more sustainable growth and higher income gains for the poor. 
but unlocking the full potential of all individuals is not an easy, easy task. A policy response like no under. The good news is that governments around the world have deployed extraordinary policy measures to save lives and protect. Man, I just lost my spot, man. I got it. And protect the poor. With many countries stepping up food aid and targeted cash transfers globally, fiscal actions so far amount to about $10 trillion. But given the severity of the crisis, significant further efforts are essential. This includes taking the measures needed to avoid a scarring of the economy, including from JARB, I'm sorry, JARB, job losses and higher inequality. It is clear that increasing access to opportunities is more crucial and critical now than ever before. And if we are to avoid persistent increases in equality, we must act. Nizzle, nizzle, nizzle. Substantial fiscal stimulus will have to be deployed, harness the power of financial technology, look, look, blah, international monetary funds. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, if, yo, it, you might be, you know, you might be, you might be tapped by, by your ancestors or something. You might be good. You might not need to do anything. You might not need to do anything. You might not need to set up your estate. You might need, need, just need to chill. You know what I'm saying? Go to McDonald's, grab another number six. The sweet and sour sauce. And I'm just playing, I don't know what the number six is. <clears throat> and just wait. Because everything's going to be all good for you. For me, though. For me, I can't trust in that. Um, you know, I, I have a family that depend on me. You know, I, I, have, I have women that, that love me. I, just, I need to take care of my dance, you know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> about to reset the economy, man. World economy. I don't know what else to say, man. We got about 90 seconds left in the broadcast. If you are not a caller, a live caller, you would want to be, I guess, unless you want to get cut off. Call the number is 563-999-3625. Once again, 563-999-3625. As always, you don't call in and get cut off. You got to check out the archives. You got to trust Blog Talk to... You know, process the show properly, get everything. But, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. What y'all think? What y'all think? Is this one of them whoosh things? Is this one of them whoosh dances? Like, what? What does this dude talk about? I got to listen to the show over and over again to understand what he was talking about. I hope not. I hope you understood what I'm saying. I've been, I've been kicking this stuff towards y'all for a while now. You know? I mean, I mean, I mean, kicking it to y'all to where, at the very least, you can go in certain circles and, you know, know what you're talking about, know what, know what you're hearing, you know, and be able to at least carry a conversation. You know, that's that's the whole point. Ultimately, I mean, beyond, you know, you, you're doing all your dancing. But... Now here's where the plot thickens. <clears throat> the global reset 
is here. You're in the middle of the biggest bank run in history. And a lot of you guys haven't even gotten your accounting together, your trust together. You don't even have a clue. Still not too late. But you're already in you're in the fourth quarter. And the opponent is up by a touchdown. So to speak. So got work to do. Now, the plot thickens because we have to all come to the realization that the information is designed to put you into a certain capacity. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to give you something from the archives, not really archives, something that you need to know dealing with accounting, dealing with financial reports. This is irrelevant. This, this is not irrelevant. This is very relevant. Keep listening because if you listen long enough, you're definitely going to learn something. As I suggested in the last lecture, we're going to have the next two sessions, we're going to be dealing with the U.S. Steel Annual Report. And remember I told you that if it was a good year, we'd have a good-looking report, and here it is. Uh, all in color throughout. And anytime you see a report in color, that means things were pretty good because management didn't feel the need to economize. Now, the purpose of these next two sessions will be to take a look at an annual report in much greater detail than we've discussed it to date. We're interested in seeing, first of all, how much precision can you expect in an annual report? Secondly, we'd like to know just how much discretion does management have in reporting the data that is shown to the shareholders? Not how much can you believe of it, but rather what range of values might actually apply. If, if a company says it earns a dollar a share, does that mean it earns a dollar plus or minus a penny, or does it mean it earns somewhere between minus two dollars and plus five dollars? This report, as I suggested, is a model of full disclosure. It's probably one of the best reports you'll ever find in, in terms of trying to help the shareholders understand what was going on. Don't expect to get this good a result from every annual report you see because not all, all officers feel the need to tell their shareholders quite as much as U.S. Steel chose to tell them. You have an extract of this report as an appendix to your lesson and it numbered pages 1 through 10, and we'll be referring to it that way. You'll also discover that the report is annotated with circled numbers, and we'll be referring to those. And the circled numbers may appear with more than one location in the report, so that we can refer back to a footnote that also talks about the same subject we're already looking at. A little more background. Remember, U.S. Steel was the largest steel company in the world at, in 1972 when this report was prepared. It had had a couple years prior to this where things weren't great, but they were okay. They did know that 1973 was going to be a great year. That is, the year after this was to be a great year. And the reason they knew this was that they had orders on the books. Remember, they get their orders as much as 18 months in advance. So anything that they would do that might move earnings from 73 back to 72 would be an okay thing because 73 was going to be fantastic anyway. And we'll discover that it is possible to move earnings back and forth within a year or so without too much problem. 
The past two years, as I suggested, had not been great. However, they weren't bad. This year, we want to make it better. And in the 73, it's going to be better no matter what. A couple other ideas. Wall Street does not like uneven earnings growth. In other words, given the choice between earnings that grow, if we look at sales or earnings versus time, earnings that grow like this and earnings that grow like this, even though the result is the same, Wall Street prefers the straight line. If nothing else, because the young analysts who work there are MBAs and their math doesn't permit them to deal with much better than straight lines. So typically, uh, straight lines are what they like to project. And, and if you look at Wall Street reports where they project earnings, they generally just, just do it by saying it's going to be X percent more than the previous year. And so it behooves management to report not only earnings growth, but smooth earnings growth which is a way of saying management is doing the shareholders a favor when they smooth earnings. The favor is that they don't surprise the Wall Street guys who get all upset if earnings don't come in exactly to the penny. If you need proof of this, take a look at what happens on a given day if somebody reports earnings a penny less than Wall Street expected they were going to be. In general, you can expect the stock to drop 10 or 15 percent on a one penny change from expectations. Well, what does constitute good results? Obviously, we want earnings to go up. We'd like them to move up smoothly. We don't want to give any bad news or unexpected news. And the other thing we should know is that a dividend cut is received very badly by Wall Street. Once a company establishes a dividend, the, the Wall Street people expect it, the investors expect that dividend to be maintained or raised. To cut a dividend is an admission that something is wrong, and that means it needs an explanation. And whatever explanation you give as an officer, you can bet it's not going to be satisfactory to the street or to your investors. So that's what we're looking for when we look for good results. And what we're going to do now is play detective. We're going to do what sometimes is called forensic accounting we're going to see what we can discover in an annual report that would help explain what was going on better than simply reading the report the way an amateur might do it, which is the first page was slick, therefore business is good. The second page tells me everything I need to know, that is, that earnings were up. Well, let's see why we should look deeper at an annual report. The first question I ask you is, what happened to sales? If you look at the first page of the appendix, at the very top, you'll see that the earning or the sales for U.S. Steel for the year were up some nine and a fraction percent, from about uh, five point or four point nine billion dollars to five point four billion dollars. On the face of it, that's very good. In fact, it's better than good because a ten percent or a nine percent increase in sales is much greater than the economy typically grows in a year. In an economy as mature as the United States, two or three percent annual growth is typical. Now, steel business is tied to the economy, so if the economy grows at 2 or 3% a year, then that's what we would expect for long-run growth in the steel business. However, they did better than that this year. Earnings were, or sales were up 9%. The next question I ask you is, what would you expect would happen to earnings? Well, I think we're convinced that U.S. Steel is indeed a capital-intensive business. If you weren't fully convinced, you could turn to the second page of your appendix where you would find the balance sheet or statement of condition for U.S. Steel, and you would discover that U.S. Steel had on its books net plant and equipment 
amounting to something in the order of uh, $4.1 billion. Out of total assets of about six or seven billion, that means that something better than 60% of all their assets were invested in plant and equipment. So indeed, this is a capital-intensive business. Now remember what we know about capital-intensive businesses. They have high fixed costs relating to depreciation charges. They also typically have high fixed costs relating to interest expenses because this kind of asset can be financed with long-term debt. We'll confirm later that U.S. Steel indeed uses a great deal of long-term debt. With both financial leverage because of the interest cost and operational leverage because of the depreciation cost, we expect that when sales go up, earnings should go up more on a percentage basis than sales. Remember, we saw that in an earlier session. With leverage, earnings should do very well in good years. And remember, it cuts the other way in bad years. When earnings are good, or sales are good, earnings are great. When sales are bad, earnings stink. Well, indeed, sales were quite good. They were up 9.4%. So our expectation is that earnings for the year should have risen something better than 9%. Well, if you look at the income statement, again, on the first page of the appendix, you'll discover that income increased from $154 million to $156 million. That's about two-thirds of the way down page one. That's only a one and a fraction percent increase in earnings for a nine percent increase in sales. That should alert you to the possibility that things are not quite what they seem to be. That is, that things weren't as good as you would have expected, and it needs an explanation. The second question I ask you is what, or third question rather, is what should happen to the dividend if earnings are up or down? Well, earnings were up, admittedly not that much, but they were up for the year. The dividend is also reported at the next to the bottom line of page two of your, or page one of your exhibit. Dividends were cut from 97.5 million down to 86.7 million dollars for the year. So sales were up nine percent, earnings were only up one and a fraction percent, a surprise, and with earnings up the dividend was cut a very big surprise, and one that you can bet did not please Wall Street. Companies don't like to cut their dividend, so there must have been a very good reason for U.S. Steel to cut its dividend. Given that information, I think it's probable that we ought to take a hard look at the annual report to see what we can learn as detectives from a very well-reported report. There's one other test we can put it to that I suggest, and that is let's check the tax rate. You know, companies adhere to Ben Franklin's advice of paying minimum taxes, but at the same time, they generally do pay their taxes, uh, unlike certain individuals. Well, let's see what happened to taxes that year. Uh, given some 200 million, almost 201 million dollars in earnings, that's about halfway down the, the income statement on page one for the year. Uh, tax rates were at that time something in excess of 50 percent. We would have expected them to pay something in the order of 100 to 105 million dollars in taxes for the year. In fact, they reported that they paid 44 million. In other words, an effective tax rate on 44 million on 200 million is about 22 percent. 
Now that in itself should lead you to ask some questions, given that the standard tax rate was at the time was over 50%, how did they manage to pay a 22% tax rate? Something had to be going on other than it was a great year and nothing to worry about. And so what we're going to try to do is figure out just what was going on and what might the earnings have been. Now, I know it's boring, but it's also a good idea when you pick up an annual report to read the auditor's report. You'll find that on the very last page, I'm sorry, two pages back on your exhibit, the standard auditor's report, in this case from Pricewaterhouse, one of the most prestigious of the major public accounting firms. And if you read the verbiage, what it tells you basically is we took the data management gave us, we checked it using the test that we regard as necessary, that meant they sent out and asked for confirmations on, on receivables. They actually sampled inventories. They did all sorts of things to convince themselves that these figures that we're looking at here truly represent the condition of U.S. Steel at the end of 1972 and truly represent what U.S. Steel accomplished during 1972 in terms of sales and earnings with no reservations. In fact, the official words are, in accordance with generally accepted accounting principles, consistently applied. Remember, accountants love consistency. Why do you think accountants love consistency? Consistency falls into what we call the provisions that make what we uh, disseminate in terms of uh, financial information relevant. Because one of the pillars of accounting is that the information must be relevant. It must have a youthfulness. See, consistency is very key. Let me give you an example of um, what has actually been transpiring. A lot of your documentations have been subject to debt repurchasing provisions. You didn't understand how they was going to repurchase the debt which was a clue that if creditors repurchase debt, if you're a creditor, you're supposed to be repurchasing debt. If you are in a debt derivative system and you're not repurchasing debt, notice I've said this repurchasing debt like three or four times, then you're actually out of compliance in the aspect of Uniform Commercial Code. So you're actually working against your very own process and or process. Um, and it, and it becomes very evident when you're not Cecil compliant of just how easily this is exploited. Again, you're subject to confiscation of certain things because you're in direct violation of the Privacy Act of 1974 when you have proprietary information of this magnitude, but you're not using the rules properly. In other words, they can assume that you are abusing this privilege because you're not using it properly. What do you mean, Bazell? I'll go here. What you have not heard in this global reset, which should be very evident, is that it's going to affect a certain class of individuals. Both Democrats and Republicans believe that. Both Democrats and Republicans believe that. Both Democrats and Republicans believe that big government knows best. That's what they believe in. That's what they want to debate. Now, I'm going to bring everybody home. I didn't want to lose. I just had to just throw that in there so you don't get complacent. So, 
if you understand the rules of accounting you're able to use those rules to benefit your estate if you simply operate as a trustee in that capacity because the constitution is actually a trust agreement now if you're going to get into different aspects of i'm a person i have a nationality let me speak to all those that actually have that type of status now when you have that type of status it's very easy for you to be able to know what you must do because you now understand the commercial admiralty treaties that deal with that subject matter again there's a difference between a United States citizen and an American citizen. And the word sovereign citizen is just like jumbo shrimp is an oxymoron. So, there are provisions put in place for you to operate in commerce if you utilize accounting. To be in commerce and not utilize commerce, you're in direct conflict. And the word conflict is closely associated with controversial. You are operating in a capacity which was going to bring about controversy. And you're not supposed to participate in public plays and public controversies. Keep listening because if you listen long enough, you definitely will learn something. Now, this class is about to accelerate. This is the accounting class, the accounting aspect of what we do. So... Without further ado, I want you to refresh your browser. You're going to come back into a session already in progress. And if you listen long enough, you definitely will learn something.